continuing in the series, Man, the Image of God, um, we have looked at various aspects of man up until now. Um, we have looked at the will of man, we've looked at the conscience of man, we've looked at the spirit of man, and in the previous series we looked at the mind of man. And in this particular series we want to now look at uh, the outward man, which is in fact the body of man. And when we have gone through this series of teachings, we will then have dealt with every aspect as taught to us in Scripture regarding the makeup of man, God, uh, God's creation called man. And so um, the Scripture that we have uh, utilized uh, to just highlight the fact that we do need to understand uh, the makeup of man in order for us to understand spiritual truths in Scripture, for there are certain parts of Scripture that if we um, do not realize what part of man that Scripture is referring to, uh, Scripture can become confusing to us. And so it's important for us to understand um, the various parts of man so that we can also identify how to apply Scripture, and rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And also, uh, we can then also very uh, more clearly um, walk this Christian walk as God intended us to, to walk the walk uh, that He's called us to. And so the scripture that uh, we've opened up with in uh, previous teachings when we dealt with the series is um, the same uh, in, in John's Gospel, John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5. This particular scripture we use just to highlight the fact that we do need to understand that mankind does have these various aspects to him. And so the scripture says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Just as an aside, when our Lord speaks about being born of water, uh, in that passage of Scripture, he's talking about the water of the Word of God. And so we're born of the Word of God, we're born of the Spirit of God. That's uh, the, the context of what our Lord is talking about. <clears throat> because you do get people that try and teach that passage of Scripture, meaning that we have to be baptized in water in, to be in order to be born again, and that's not what the Bible teaches us. <clears throat> so here we have Nicodemus, who is a, a teacher of Israel. He's a scribe. He's very knowledgeable about uh, the Old Covenant. And our Lord introduces him to a new concept and says you have to be born again. Nicodemus doesn't understand what our Lord is talking about because Nicodemus is still natural in his think thinking. He's still carnal in his thinking. And so he's trying to understand because he only understands man as what he can see. And so he's trying to understand how it's possible for somebody to be born again once they're old uh, to enter a second time into their mother's womb. But we understand, obviously, that our Lord was talking about a spiritual rebirth. And... It's because we understand the truth that there is such a thing as the spirit of man that we understand the concept of being born again. But Nicodemus couldn't get his mind around it at the time. And so <clears throat> definitely uh, there are these various parts of man and uh, it's important for us as believers to understand what each part is and what each part, uh, the role each part plays in the makeup of man. And uh, the first differentiation we see in Scripture that kind of highlights this truth for us is the fact that there is this outward man and there is the inward man. 
and the inward man is made up of the four parts that we've discussed in scripture already and the outward man is in fact these physical bodies that we dwell in and the scripture we can look at is in 2 Corinthians 4 16 the scripture says therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day and so these physical bodies that we dwell in that is what the Bible calls the outward man um, but what dwells within this outward man is the inward man and that is in fact the real man and uh, the real man has also more than one part to it so just as these physical bodies have more than one part each part uh, has its own role to play each part has its own function but the sum of all the parts makes up the whole body so it is that the inward man has different parts and, um, that he is made up of and the sum of all of those parts of the inward man make up the whole inward man and uh, the Bible refers to the inward man as being the soul um, in 1 Peter 3 20 talks about eight souls were saved talking about Noah and his family when they were saved in the ark and then the Bible also refers to the inward man as the hidden person of the heart that is in 1 Peter 3 uh, verse 4 the scripture talks about the hidden person of the heart and then just to show that the, the inward man does have more than one part to it because uh, although a lot of people understand the concept very clearly that there is an outward man and there is an inward man when they think about the inward man they think well that's just it there's just this one inward man and it's, he is called a spirit or a heart or he's called a soul um, but that's not the case the, the case is, is that the inward man has uh, various parts uh, that he is made up of and it's important for us to understand those parts and how each part functions but the fact that the inward man is made up of more than one part we looked at in Psalms 139 verse 13 and verse 14 the scripture says for you formed my inward parts talking about God he's formed our inward parts plural you covered me in my mother's womb I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well and so the inward parts that this, uh, the writer of uh, Psalms is, is referring to is the inward part of the in, inner man, the inward man. And when he says, you covered me in my mother's womb, he's talking about the fact that the inward man is covered with the outward man in our mother's womb. And that's how God creates us and that's how God brings us into this world. And so there's definitely more than one part to the inward man. Um, and we've identified in the series so far that the inward man is made up of four specific parts, four separate parts. And the one scripture we looked at um, to highlight this truth for us is in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. The scripture says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then another scripture we looked at was in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The scripture says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so 
here we see um, in these two passages of scripture the spirit and the soul the body is also mentioned and we understand that the body is the outward man um, but the inner man uh, we see in scripture two specific parts of man referred to here the spirit and the soul and in the book of Hebrews the Bible plainly teaches us that the spirit and the soul can be divided by the word of God uh, only but nevertheless they can be divided and because they can be divided there are two separate parts of man and so those are two parts uh, that um, of which our inner man is made up of in scripture and then we saw scripture about the will of man one uh, john's gospel john chapter 1 verses 12 uh, to 13 scripture says but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god to those who believe in his name who were born of not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god and then another scripture we saw is in 2 Peter 1 verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then another scripture we can look at is in Luke chapter 22 verse 42. Scripture says the same, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so very clearly, another part of the inner man that God has created is the free will. And each one of us have been given a free will. Now, free will, uh, you can go back on the series of teachings we did on the will of man, reigns supreme in the makeup of man. For it is as an act of our will that we decide which way we're going to walk, uh, whether we're going to walk in our spirits or whether we're going to walk in the flesh. And so the will of man is given to uh, man by God in order for mankind to make free choices. And that is the, the primary purpose of the will that has been given to us. Uh, for God has not created robots, God has created us to fellowship with Him as an act of our free will. We choose whether we're going to fellowship with God or not. Um, but nevertheless, uh, the will of man is a separate part of man. It is not the spirit of man because uh, you really need to go back and look, listen to that series of teachings to get a clearer understanding. But the will is a definite separate part of the inner man. Just as the soul and the spirit are so, the will uh, is a separate part of our inner man. And then we had to look at uh, the fourth part of the inward man, um, which is the conscience. And we saw scripture along that line, which is in Acts 24 verse 16. Scripture says, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. That's the Apostle Paul speaking. And then in John's Gospel, John chapter 8 verse 9, Scripture says, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And so we saw in the series that we dealt with on the conscience of man, that everybody has been given a conscience by God, and uh, that includes believer and unbeliever alike. And the conscience is given to us for specifically to guide us between good and evil, and that's the role that the conscience plays. Um, and again, the conscience operates outside of the spirit of man and outside of the soul of man. So it is a separate part to the inner man. And so the inner man, the inward man, the hidden person of the heart, the heart of man is made up of these four uh, separate parts, which is the will of man, the spirit of man, the soul of man, which is the mind. And we've dealt with that in that series on the mind of man and then the conscience of man. And so in this series, we want to now concentrate on this outward man um, because this outward man is a very important part of our lives because 
Without it, we can't be here. Uh, it is impossible for the spirit of man to dwell on the earth without, without a physical body that he dwells in. For God has not allowed um, the spirits of man to walk around on this earth, uh, but inside physical bodies. That is where God has deemed it uh, legal and lawful for mankind to dwell when they dwell on this earth. And so um, a scripture we can open up with is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8. We're going to just look at a few aspects of the body of man today. We're going to lay a groundwork um, for this particular topic. And then as we go through this series, we will look at um, uh, the body of man in more detail as to how God intends that we should in fact be using these bodies for in fact um, God has given us very clear guidelines in scripture as to how he wants us to um, operate inside these bodies that he has given to us and so the scripture is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8 the scripture says we are confident yes well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord and so when he says we are confident to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord he's talking about the inward man and so this inward man for a, a Christian for a believer can only uh, reside in one of two locations currently things have changed over the ages but currently this is the, the mandate given by God is that our inward man can only reside inside these bodies that we dwell in here on the earth if they are not inside these bodies then they are absent from the body and present with the Lord and that is uh, an instant process that takes place in the life of the believer the moment that these bodies expire the inward man leaves these bodies and is in the presence of the Lord now with, the, with regards to the unbeliever the principle remains the same the destination is different for the moment that their bodies expire, their inward man leaves their bodies and their inward man is then uh, taken down into Hades where they are held in torment for their day of judgment. Uh, the believer is taken to be with the Lord Jesus in heaven and resides there resting until their day of judgment. Um, but nevertheless, so no spirit of man no inward man, because you know, we, 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 although we talk primarily about the spirit of man, um, the inward man is made up of those four parts. And so no inward man, no, but let's just stay with the, the spirit of man, it's an easier concept for us to get our minds around. No spirit of man uh, does God allow to walk around on this earth outside of a physical body. So the moment the bodies expire, the, the spirit of man leaves these bodies to go to one of two locations depending on whether they were believers in their lifetime or whether they were the unbelievers. Unbelievers go to hell obviously. And so in 2 Peter, in James chapter 2 verse 26, the scripture says, um, for as um, the spirit with, as, that, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. And so when the body doesn't have a spirit residing on the inside of it, then these physical bodies have no life in them. And because they have no life in them, they cannot function anymore. They cease to operate. They cease to function. And so they just fall down and they begin to decay almost immediately, I suppose. Although that's not the case. It is roughly about a three-day period before decay starts to really kick in. Um, but nevertheless, um, these bodies need 
the inward man inside of them to give them life. Now we've said in the previous teaching, the series we dealt on the spirit of man, that it matters not on the, with regards to the condition of the inward man. So that is um, why even unbelievers, even though they are spiritually dead, their spirits still give life to their mortal bodies. And so their mortal bodies can function and breathe and walk around. Um, just like a, a believer's body can function and breathe and walk around because the spirit in, residing on the inside of that body is what imparts life to the body. Now, when, don't get confused. When I say it imparts life, we're not talking about eternal life. We're not talking about God's life. We're talking about natural life. These bodies require a spirit to be residing on the inside of them. If that does happen, well, then these bodies have life. If the spirit departs, well, then these bodies no longer have life and are incapable of functioning anymore, and they drop down dead. And so that's really the gist. So, oh, so these bodies are mortal. They are not immortal. Um, mortal means to be subject to death. And so all of these bodies that, we, that are on the, on the planet today are all subject to death whether you're a Christian or whether you're a Hindu or whether you're a Muslim or whatever religion you might be, and as when I say a Christian, I'm talking about born-again believer, your body is still subject to death. Our bodies are still mortal. Um, when we are born again, our spirits become new creations in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new and all things are of God. And the Bible teaches us we're born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God in 1 Peter. Um, but nevertheless, these physical bodies do not change. These physical bodies remain mortal. Um, God has not yet dealt with our physical bodies. That is still futuristic as far as believers are concerned. But these bodies are the house that we dwell in. And so it's a concept we need to really understand and, and, and live in the reality of that. That the real person um, that you're looking at right now is not this physical body that you can see. The real person is inside this physical body looking out through my eyes um, at you right now. And so we don't get to see, that's why the Bible talks about the hidden person of the heart. We don't get to see the hidden person of the heart. God sees him. Um, and when we depart from these bodies, well, then we will obviously see the hidden person of the heart for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are currently residing in heaven because neither, none of them have physical bodies. But while we're on this earth, we look at the outward man. And we don't get to see the inward man. Nevertheless, the inward man looks exactly the same as the outward man. There's no difference in our features with regards to the outward man and the inward man. It's just that the inward man has no blemishes, so to speak, as what the outward man does have. Now, <clears throat> we need to understand the concept that we dwell inside these bodies, and these bodies are a house given to us by God. This, this body I reside in now is the house that I live in. Just as I, I, we all live in homes of whatever sort, some of us live in mansions, some of us live in smaller homes, um, some of us live in, in cardboard boxes, but nevertheless, people have homes that they reside in. Um, 
but even those homes are not the, 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 the home given to them by God. The home given to each one by God is these physical bodies that we reside in. Now, these physical bodies we saw that though the inward man, though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. These physical bodies, and the, uh, the outward man and the physical body is just two different terminologies for the same thing. Um, the Bible teaches us very plainly these physical bodies are perishing. Um, and they begin to perish roughly from about age 35 onwards in the natural course of events that uh, the body then begins to uh, begin to uh, degenerate and become older and older. Gray hairs start to appear on the body, wrinkles start to appear and so the body begins to perish and eventually it will expire. Um, now God has promised uh, to those who would walk in His ways he has promised to uh, give them long life on the earth. Now, when our Lord said to us, and that is in Psalm 91, 16, that he would satisfy us with long life. Nevertheless, even though our Lord has promised to satisfy us with long life. Now, when we're talking about long life, we're not talking about eternal life. Eternal life pertains to the spirit of man. Uh, when our, our Lord says, you know, you guys can have long life, I will satisfy you with long life. He's talking about natural life, uh, which is what these physical bodies um, partake of. Our physical bodies partake of natural life. They do not partake of eternal life. Uh, we will have a look at that as we get into uh, further along in the teaching on the, on the body. But nevertheless, God has promised to satisf satisfy those who serve Him, um, satisfy them with a long life. Now, when our Lord said, you guys can have long life on the earth, that's still a finite period of time that God gives us on the earth. Um, so that long life is not an eternity. There's still a, a constraint that is placed upon mankind, mankind's time that he's allowed to live on the earth. Now, we've dealt with it in a previous series, but we'll just recap on the issue. Before, from the time of Adam until the time of Noah, there was a, a certain age that was a, a different age that mankind lived in. Now, obviously, in the Garden of Eden, it was even a different age. Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. They, they lived on their own in the Garden of Eden. For It could be estimated to be roughly about 100 years because um, Adam was 130 years old when Seth was born. So we don't know how old Adam was when uh, Cain was born and when Abel was born. We do know Cain and Abel were also born outside of the Garden of Eden. So Adam was 130 years old when Seth was born, which was his third, third born. Um, so we, we can kind of just estimate that Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. Well, we don't know how long Adam lived for uh, as, a, as a single male uh, before Eve came along because the Bible is silent on that issue so but it couldn't have been longer than roughly about a hundred years that Adam lived in the Garden of Eden now it might have been for a shorter period of time I don't know uh, scripture silent on the issue but it couldn't have been longer than about a hundred years because with in that from 100 to 130 um, Adam would have had Cain, Abel, and Seth would have been three children born to him. So yeah, it could have been a bit longer than 100, uh, 100 years, maybe 110 years, I don't know. But so for that very first period of time that Adam and Eve were on the earth, 
they dwelt within the Garden of Eden. Now, even when they dwelt within the Garden of Eden, and there was no death present in the Garden of Eden, for there was no sin present in the Garden of Eden. Um, this, I'm talking about this is now before uh, Satan was allowed into the Garden to tempt uh, Adam and Eve, and uh, they in turn committed sin. But before that time, there was no sin and neither was there any death. But nevertheless, the bodies of Adam and Eve were mortal. Their bodies were still subject to death. They, they, there was no death there, um, but nevertheless, God had not created Adam and Eve with immortal bodies, um, which is why there was the tree of the uh, the fruit of the tree of life in the midst of the garden. Now, had Adam and Eve, let's just talk hypothetically now, had Adam and Eve not committed sin and never partaken of the fruit of the knowledge of the, uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God would have allowed them to partake of the, of the tree of life, the fruit of the tree of life. Now, had they partaken of the fruit of the tree of life, that would have imparted immortality to their physical bodies then their bodies would no longer be subject to death. Their bodies would have then become immortal. Immortal means not subject to death. Death has no power over that which is immortal. That which is immortal cannot die. That's why it's immortal. Adam and Eve's bodies, when they were created by God, were created as mortal bodies. So even in the Garden of Eden, in that perfect, pristine environment, no sin, no death, present, their bodies were still subject to death. Their bodies were still mortal, which is why God had to remove them from the Garden of Eden once they had committed sin. And you can go look it up in, in the book of Genesis. God says um, he had to take them out lest they partook of the, of the fruit of the tree of life and thus lived forever. When our Lord said thus lived forever, he's talking, he wasn't talking, they wouldn't have become born again believers. They wouldn't have become born again on the inside with eternal life, the life of God, not at all. They would continue to have the life of the devil, the nature of the devil inside of them, death. Um, but nevertheless, their bodies would have then become immortal, no longer uh, subject to death, and God would have had a huge problem. So God had to take them outside of the Garden of Eden. So they come out of the Garden of Eden. Bodies are still mortal bodies, okay, subject to death, and now have sin inside them as well. There's that other aspect to it. But nevertheless, they continue to live um, Adam dies at 930 years of, of age. We don't know how old Eve was, but um, all through from the time of Adam through to the time of Moses, all of those individuals living on the earth, their lifespan, natural lifespan on the earth was close to 1,000 years. Methuselah lived the longest of them all. I think it was 987 years, I think was his, his uh, length of time on the earth. And so God had deemed it. We don't see it in scripture, but we see evidence thereof because obviously we see how long people lived. And so God had deemed that it was okay for mankind to live on the earth in these mortal bodies for a period of roughly a thousand years. Now, when they lived on the earth for a thousand years, their bodies did not age like our bodies do today. So it wasn't a case of when Adam was 130 years old. Think about somebody today is 130 years old. 
there aren't anybody, there are no people on the planet at 130. I think the oldest on the planet today is roughly about 110. Um, but think about that individual who is roughly 110 years old. Their bodies are extremely frail and extremely wrinkled and extremely, um, you know, they're really perishing and they have to go around in wheelchairs and things like that. Adam's body at 130 when, he, when Seth was born to him and Eve was not in that condition at all. His body was still quite virile and quite young looking because God had deemed that their bodies could live for uh, roughly a thousand years. And so God slowed down their metabolism from the point of view of their bodies didn't perish until they started, until they got to their midway. And their midway point would roughly have been about 450 years old. At 450 odd, and I'm just throwing out numbers, but it's pretty much the timeline, then their bodies would have begun to deteriorate at the same pace that their bodies grew until 450 years old. So if you go look at the book of Genesis, the youngest that anybody ever was that had a child in, uh, in that age, um, I'm talking about the age of Adam to Noah, was 65 years old. That's the first time that, that, that that's the youngest that anybody ever got married at, at the age 65. Now you think about in our current life, age 65 is not the time when people start getting married, age 65, and starting a family. At age 65, people are starting to wind down their lives. But at age 65, that was considered to be almost like just a, a, a juvenile, just into teenage years, in Adam's time. And so the body that God had created, they didn't have different bodies. Their bodies were exactly the same as the bodies that we have today. The only difference was, is that God had ordained that those bodies would only expire after roughly a thousand years. And so gray hairs would really have only uh, come into their bodies at the age of 450 odd. Then they would have started seeing their first gray hairs and the wrinkles would have started to only begin and it would have taken for another 450 odd years before their bodies became like a hundred year old person looks like today. So you, we need to just get our understanding around that because that's how God ordained that to be. So that had nothing to do with sin. So it wasn't a case of because um, mankind had to learn. He, he had come, Adam and Eve had come out of a, a sinless environment and sin took a long time to affect their bodies. And so it took them nearly 900 years or 950 years before sin could finally kill off their bodies. No, not at all. The physical body um, is, is able to exist as God determines, as God says. You guys can live for a thousand years. That's what happens. God makes that body uh, young and virile all the way through to 450 years old. And then he says, okay, now it will start to uh, perish and start decaying. Um, and so that's how their bodies worked. Now, after Noah, um, uh, after the flood of Noah, God then changed the, the timeline. And he said, the limit now, and you can go look it up in the scripture. I don't have the reference now. Uh, he says it's going to be 120 years. And he said, that's it. Now, I'm not going to strive with man like I used to in the past. And because, he, you know, he said man just is wicked. And that's why he had to destroy them. So he said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut down their lifespan. And so God then said, okay, 120 years, that's your limit now. I, I used to give you a close on 1,000. Now I'm only giving you 120. So what would happen then to, in those bodies, 
it is that by age 60 roughly then their bodies had now peaked and now their bodies would then so the first gray hairs and that would materialize at age 60 and the first wrinkles would start to be shown at age 60 and then they would now um, slowly progress now degress should I say so obviously there were people that um, lived longer than 120 years that God had prescribed there's a few guys went to 137 147 um, I think maybe one or two even 150 but that was the, that's the maximum they, they went right over the limit by the grace of God but the vast of majority of mankind their lifespan if they lived out their full lifespan would have been roughly 120 years no further then God changed the rules again um, and we picked that up in Psalm 90 verse 10 and that's the this is the the dispensation that we live under currently um, God changed it and he said the days of our lives are 70 years and if by reason of strength they are 80 years yet their boast is only labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away talking about our inner man then departs to be one of two different locations but nevertheless God has decreed that in this current age that we live in now that these physical bodies are only designed to live between 70 and 80 years now again there are people that get to 100 years old but it's not the norm the norm is between 70 and 80 years and then these bodies expire um, I'm talking about people that live out their full lives on the earth that's the uh, dispensation we're in currently God has decreed that these bodies will then expire after the 70 or 80 years which is why roughly at about age 35 now um, people start to see gray hair starting to uh, show on their body and on their hairs of the head and also the first of the wrinkles start to show uh, because now we've reached the midway point and now from there on out our bodies are perishing and so that's why the scripture says though this out our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day so it's not as a result of sin that these outward bodies perish that's not the case at all um, although sin is in these bodies we're going to touch on that now but nevertheless the, the reason that these bodies begin to perish at age 35 is not because we're living a sinful life um, and that's the reason not at all it's because God has decreed that these bodies will expire between 70 and 80 years and so 35 is the middle of the 70 and so you, know, you can guarantee that most people then when they get to the age 35 one or two gray hairs start to appear and a few little wrinkles start to appear and it just progresses from there on out or should we say degresses from there on out and so it is God who decides how long these physical bodies are going to last because these bodies that we dwell in are mortal they are subject to death and the book of Hebrews teaches us very plainly for it is appointed to man once to die and after that the judgment the death he's speaking about in that passage of scripture is physical death each one of us are going to um, have these these bodies will expire now the another concept we as I already alluded to we need to just get our minds around the fact is that these bodies they're a house that we reside in they're a tent let's look at scripture 2 Peter 1:14. Um, Peter speaking he says knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me 
And so Paul and Peter calls his body a tent. Paul also speaks about his body as being an earthly tent. And so these tents, a tent means it is a temporary structure. You never get a permanent tent out there. Uh, tents are temporary structures. And so these bodies that we dwell in now are temporary structures. They're given to us by God for this very short time that we are on the earth. Um, and that's, then they expire. But it, again, it's, it's a tent. It's what we dwell inside. Um, and so the real person is the one inside this tent that I'm dwelling in. Another scripture that helps us to see this truth is in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. Uh, the Apostle Paul speaking, he says, For we know that if our earthly house, now they, uh, Paul calls it a house, this tent, there you go, he's talking about a tent, just like Peter calls it a tent. So the apostles understood very clearly the truth that this is a temporary structure. We shouldn't get too attached to a temporary structure. Um, he says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so there's a house referred to on both sides of the coin, basically, because Paul is saying, this is my house that I'm living in now. And if this house is destroyed, remember our Lord said to the guys when he was on the earth, he said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. Now they were thinking that he was talking about the temple that they were standing in, that uh, temple that had uh, built by the Jews and Herod had uh, refurbished. Um, but our Lord was talking about the temple of his body. And that's why he said, I'll raise it up in three days, because after three days and three nights in the, in the depths of the earth, God raised up our Lord's body. And so that's the temple that he was living in. And so these, these bodies that we dwell in is, is a house. It's, that's the house given to us by God. But nevertheless, we have another house, because Paul says so. And well, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says so. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, so he's now differentiating between this earthly house that we currently dwell in, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So the house that he is referring to in this passage of Scripture is in fact our resurrected bodies. For our resurrected bodies are given to us by God directly from heaven. Now understand the concept that um, God uses these earthly bodies as the seed to um, produce our resurrected bodies. And the Bible teaches us that very plainly. Nevertheless, our resurrected bodies are from heaven. Um, Jesus Christ is currently in a resurrected body that we will one day receive. And in fact, there are a few of the saints who really do have their resurrected bodies. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew teaches us that. Um, and so that resurrected body that we will enter into one day is in fact um, the building from God. And that is the house that is not made with hands, for God formed it. And that, that is the eternal dwelling that we will dwell in. So, whereas in, so in both cases, it's our inner man that either dwells in these temporary dwellings, or it's our inner man that will dwell inside the eternal dwelling that God is going to give us, which is our resurrected bodies. Now, in this passage of Scripture, there is obviously the other side. There's two eternal dwellings that it is referring to. Because he's talking about, in context, our resurrected bodies. That's the eternal dwelling he's referring to. But there is also, obviously, our eternal dwelling that each one of us will receive from the Lord in the city of Jerusalem. 
I remember our Lord said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you, so that I may come and receive you to myself, that you may be where I am. Um, and so, in the city of Jerusalem, there are palaces, there are man mansions that God is preparing for His saints. And so we will receive two eternal dwellings, really, from the Lord. We will receive the eternal dwelling of our resurrected bodies, and we will receive our eternal dwelling in the city of Jerusalem. So there is that double aspect to it. Now, the concept was understood by Abraham because, you know, he really was sold out on the eternal dwelling that he would receive from God in heaven. And so, so much so that Abraham refused to build any permanent earthly structures on the earth. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, By faith, talking about Abraham, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so Abraham understood that this, our time on this earth is really so temporary. So Abraham refused to build a home. And so he lived in a tent all of his life. Uh, Isaac and Jacob did exactly the same. They lived in tents all of their lives because they were sold out on the eternal dwelling, the eternal city that God had prepared for them in heaven. And so the Bible teaches us that God wasn't ashamed to be called their God because they had such a, a focus on eternity with God. that They, they weren't even going to um, waste their time in building um, homes of brick and mortar. They were quite comfortable to live in tents for all their time on the earth. And so the eternal dwellings that we have available, waiting for us in heaven are in fact our resurrected bodies, which we will receive from the Lord on that day, and obviously our eternal dwelling in the city of Jerusalem, which again we will receive from the Lord on that day. And so uh, that's the concept of what these bodies are. There are houses that we live in. There are the tent that God has given to us for a 70 or 80 year period. Um, could be a bit longer, but not too much longer often than that. And also, don't forget now, the, the quality of life, talking about natural life now, the quality of natural life deteriorates as the body gets older. So even if you do get to live 100 years old on the earth, you, by the time you get to 100 years, you're not able to get out there and sprint and do a, a, a 10 second 100 meter dash. You're not able to get out there and run marathons at a, at a record uh, time in, uh, anymore. You're not able to do a lot of stuff because your body has just deteriorated, perished to that degree that it's, you know, you, you're really struggling to get around on this in this life. And so the quality of life definitely deteriorates as people get older. And so, you know, people love to stay on the planet for a long period of time. I'm not too sure why, because, you know, if uh, Paul said, you know, to be with Christ is far better than to be down here. Um, so my logic says to me, if God says, you know, Mike, your time's up, you can come home. You know, I can't see why I want to hang around here. As long as I've done what my Lord told me to do on the earth, well then, you know, that's fine. I'm quite keen to uh, leave this earthly tent and go to be with my Lord. But anyway, another point we need to understand about these physical bodies that we dwell in is that these bodies that we dwell in carry the sin virus. 
Now, it's a very important concept for believers to understand. Unbelievers, they don't need to understand it, although their bodies also carry the sin virus. Um, but they, there's nothing they can do about it. They don't have any uh, control over it. But the Christian does. But we do need to understand the concept that these bodies that we dwell in are sinful in nature. So it's our spirits that are born again. And we dealt with that in the series on the spirit of man. But the physical bodies that we dwell in are sinful in nature. And the scripture we're going to look at is in Romans chapter 5 verse 12. The scripture says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Now all men die spiritually because all men sin. If, if, if a person never sins, their spirits cannot die. It's impossible. It's only possible for spiritual death. Forget about physical death now, because physical death is not linked to sin. Physical death is linked to the time period that God has decreed. So even if we were to live a sinless life on this earth, because our bodies are mortal and God has decreed 70 to 80 years, our bodies would expire at that time because that's how God has designed these bodies to work. They're mortal. The spirit of man, on the other hand, is, is a, a different thing entirely. If our spirits were never to commit sin, that spirit would never die. But nevertheless, we do sin. Uh, and because our spirits do sin, you can go back on the teaching on the spirit of man and understand how that concept works. The moment that we sin for the very first time, the spirit dies, takes upon it the nature of the devil, takes upon it the nature of death. And so the only thing that causes the spirit of man to die is sin, nothing else. Uh, God doesn't say you, you, your spirit will live for, I don't know, 20 years or 70 years and then your spirit must die. Not at all. The spirit of man can only die through sin. Sin can only enter into the spirit through sin. And because all men commit sin, all do die spiritually. Um, as I say, all do die physically because God has decreed that period of time. And so these bodies, um, now what happens? Now there is the impact, obviously. When the spirit dies, because sin has entered, sin has now entered into the whole man. Not only the inner man, but now sin infects the whole, every part of man. And that includes the physical body. Our Lord taught it, and um, Paul taught it, uh, you know, time and again, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so sin is like a type of leaven that comes in, and it just in, it infects the, the whole of the inner man, and it infects these physical bodies that we dwell in. So when Adam and Eve committed sin, sin entered into their spirits, sin entered into their minds, and then into their um, bodies as well, and infected their bodies. And their bodies became contaminated with the sin virus. And so their bodies became sinful in nature. Now, we inherit our bodies, physical bodies, from Adam. God uses the seed um, from our parents, and he forms the body from that seed. Now, inside that seed is the sin virus. So it's already sinful right from the outset. The spirit is not because the spirit comes from God, but the body comes from man. We inherit our bodies from Adam. The scripture says in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, and he, talking about God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. 
and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. And so our, our blood um, line goes all the way back to Adam. We all have Adam's blood in our veins. And Adam's blood was sinful, and so we have sin flowing through our veins. And that sin has impacted on these physical bodies. And so these physical bodies that we dwell in are sinful in nature. And so you, you have the, the, uh, a doctrine called original sin, and that was in, uh, developed by uh, men well, hundreds of years ago who didn't really understand the makeup of man. And so that, they, they saw that man was born in sin, but, and so they just assumed that you know, everything was sinful when man was born. They didn't understand that the spirit came from God, but the body comes from man. And so, um, in a way, there is the original sin in the physical bodies, in that these physical bodies, uh, and we've also said in the, in the series when the mind of man includes the, the organ of the brain, um, is, are sinful in nature. But nevertheless, the spirit inside then, the hidden man of the heart, is not sinful in nature for the first 13 years of their lives. But the spirit of the, the body of man is sinful in nature uh, because our, our blood comes from Adam. Um, and so the, the body, the Bible talks about the fact that it calls this body a body of sin, the body of sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 6, the scripture says that. Um, and another scripture we can look at is Romans chapter 7, verse 23 and 24. It says, But I see another law in my members, talking about his physical body, warring against the law of my mind, talking about his inward man, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, talking about his physical body, a wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. And so Paul learned the truth about the fact that even as a born-again believer, that he was dwelling within a body of sin, and that his, the natural inclination of his physical body that he was dwelling in, including the organ of his brain, was to commit sin and to walk in sin. And that's why the Bible teaches us that we should walk in the spirit and not walk in the flesh. For the flesh is made up of these members, including the organ of the brain, the carnal mind. And that will always be gravitating towards sin. And so that's something we need to recognize about our, our, our walk as believers, is that no matter how spiritual, spiritual we become as believers, we are still dwelling inside physical bodies that are sinful in nature. They have no capacity for righteousness. They only have capacity for sin. And so it's very important for us to understand this truth because we need to be exercising control, dominion over our earthly bodies and not the other way around. And that's where um, the world kind of lives is that their bodies dictate to them their, their lifestyle, um, including their carnal mind, obviously. But also in believers' lives, you see that they, they are carnal in things because their bodies um, exert great influence over their lifestyles that they, they walk in. And so we need to recognize that there is just there's nothing good residing in these bodies. They are sinful in nature. Now that doesn't mean that we can't use them because the Bible says we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And so we have that capacity to do that. And we're going to go through that in the teaching. But we just need to recognize 
It's one of the apostles said, I keep my body under and bring it into subjection, lest after having preached unto others, I myself should be found a castaway. And so the apostle Paul, who was really a very spiritual believer, he recognized he had to keep his body under uh, because it was sinful in nature. Even our Lord Jesus, his body was not sinful, but nevertheless, he dwelt in a body similar to our subject to the temptation of sin as ours is. And he, in speaking to the apostles on that night in, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Pray that you enter not into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so our Lord understood the concept about the fact that these fleshly bodies that we dwell in are weak, and they, they, are, they, they are hardwired to commit sin. And as Christians, we need to understand that. Because uh, it's only when we understand that truth that we then can walk in the light thereof. And so these bodies are definitely sinful in nature. And we have to exercise control over them. And we're going to go through that in this series of teachings. We're just still just laying the groundwork. Um, but nevertheless, there's coming a time when we will receive our resurrected bodies. And those bodies will then be immortal. So currently our bodies are mortal. They are subject to death. The bodies that we will receive from our Lord Jesus on that day are immortal bodies. They are no longer subject to death. Death has no dominion over them. Um, and the scripture we can look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 51. The Apostle Paul writing, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible talking about these physical bodies now must put on incorruption meaning that they can are no longer be these current bodies are sinful in nature our resurrected bodies will be righteous in nature and this mortal must put on immortality no longer subject to death so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And so our heavenly home, which is our resurrected bodies, um, when we finally enter into those bodies, those bodies we will dwell in for all eternity. Because just as our spirit has eternal life in, the, in our spirit, so our physical bodies will have immortality. And so the two will be compatible with each other once again. So currently, my flesh and my spirit are at odds with each other because my spirit has eternal life, but my, my body has, has sin in it. And so I have to now dominate my body with my spirit and keep it under. But when I receive my resurrected body from the Lord, my spirit has eternal life and my body has incorruption and immortality. And so the two are completely in sync and there's no more conflict there that takes place. Um, and so we look forward to uh, those, those, those resurrected bodies that we will receive from our Lord on that day. Those bodies will never be subject to sickness. Those bodies will never be tired. Those bo bodies will never require any sleep or rest. Those bodies will not get weary. Those bodies are perfect. Perfect, perfect bodies. In the new heaven and the new earth, the city of Jerusalem has no night there is because the, the glory of God lights up the city at all times. And so even though the rest of the planet, um, the earth, will experience day and night, 
The city of Jerusalem will not experience day and night. The reason for that is because we don't need it, as, as the Lord says, because we will be dwelling in bodies that do not require rest. That they need to, as these physical bodies require rest and they need to sleep, uh, those bodies that we receive from the Lord will never require rest. They'll never get tired, they'll never get sick, they'll never die. Uh, they are incorruptible and immortal. And that's the eternal dwelling that God will be giving us on that day. And we're going to end the teaching on that point today. We're going to then go in further in the series of teachings on the, uh, the body of man. We're going to look at certain aspects about the fact that our bodies do belong to God and what He expects us to do with these bodies um, while we're on this earth because God has, as I mentioned, given us uh, very specific guidelines as to what He wants us to do with these bodies. Um, and uh, we'll go through that in more depth in our subsequent teachings, but we're going to end the teaching on this particular point today. Amen.